December 13th, 2021. We're in Masechet Sanhedrin, beginning the sixth Perek, and If you recall, it might be hard to recall, you may have not been here to be able to recall, but what the Gemara dealt with in the first five Perakim or so, and detached from anything we'll be discussing here on uh, forth, so don't get overwhelmed if you don't remember this, but what the Gemara described was the construction of Beit Din, what the Sanhedrin looked like, how the Dayanim, the uh, judges and the Edim were to go through the process of determining the law, uh, meant accepting the witnesses, choosing the witnesses, detailing and understanding exactly what took place, and then discerning uh, what the final verdict is. So this Perik, and here on out, we talk about after that. Those are the first words of the Perik of the first Mishnah. We hear Nigmar Hadin. So the Deen, the judgment, was finished. Good morning. Finished. We arrived at a verdict and we're ready to, and the cases that we'll be dealing with for the next several chapters are execution. We're ready for sekila, serefa, herig, vachenek. How is it that we would go about doing so? So that's really what our Perik is going to begin the conversation with. You'll notice that the next Perik, right, right after this Perik, it's called Arba'at Mitot, right? Of course, four ways of killing, four ways of execution in Beit Din. And after that, after Arba'at Mitot, the eighth Perik, will be known as, here we are, Ben Sorer More, then we'll deal with, okay, and each one of these Perakim we're going to deal with uh, the way in which they'd actually uh, t- take uh, take care of the execution. But this Perak is going to d- detail the beginnings of that. So Nigmar Hadin, Nigmar Hadin, the verdict was reached, and this individual is Hayav Mitah. For the purposes of example, the Mishnah is going to choose the, ex- the situation of Sekila. Sekila is the first as we list them, as the Mishnayot will list them, of the four ways of executing. Sekila, as we'll describe in the Gemara and the Mishnayot that will come, was a circumstance in which a person was put to death by stoning. It's the case in the Torah, specifically in the case of Mekalel. There was a circumstance where there was what we call a Megadev, a person who cursed out God, and he was put to death through stoning. On Daf Memtet, the Gemara, the Mishnah will tell us, according to the opinion of Hakamim, which is the mainstream opinion, it's the most severe of those uh, mitot. It's the most severe of the four ways of executing in Beit Din. As a result, it'll be the first example for us. Of course, the more colloquial, the more usual circumstance of Sekilah, as we would use it, is a person who's mehalel Shabbat. Again, checked out and found to be so through witnesses and judges and so forth. But that'll be the example we're going to be working with. Nigmar Hadin says the Mishnah, Mosi'in oto lesoklo. If the verdict was reached, the individual who's now Hayav Mita, Hayav Skila, maybe he was Mechalel, maybe he was Mechalel Shabbat, or any of the other many things a person could do in order to get Sekila, Mosi'in oto of course, means to take out. You would take him out of Betin in order to put him to death by stoning. Now, of course, it's hard to envision, because we do know, and we'll see it in the Mishnayot later on, a uh, hill or a mountain of some sort in Betin where you throw him off and then drop a stone onto him. So, of course, it's going to have to be out of Betin. But furthermore, the Mishnah says it's not just outside of Betin on the side of Betin. Beta Sekila Hayahutz La Betin. The Mishnah goes on to detail. Not, not graphically enough yet, and the Gemara will fill out the details, but the beta sekila, the place where the person would be put to death, where he'd be dropped and then stoned, was outside of Betin. The Gemara will describe it at the very onset as being far from Betin, and we'll discuss why very briefly as well. So that's the description already in the Mishnah. So, Nigmar Hadin you're taking him out of Betin to now actually put him to death. Beta sekila, the place in which you would actually put him to death by stoning. They said a pasuk, Hose 
et hamekalem. Right, that's the pasuk I was referring to in the Torah. Torah, what is it? Vayikra perek chafdalid describes this uh, curious circumstance of a person who curses out God in the context, in the midst of a fight with another. He curses out God. He's unhappy with the judgment system, and he curses out God. Says the Torah. God turns to Moshe and says to him, Take him out. And what are you going to do with him? They'll put him to death by stoning. So that's the description over there. And that's how the Mishnah tells us. And it's rare for the Mishnah to cite a pasuk, says the Mishnah. That's our sourcing that the Beta Sekila, not only in the Midbar, not only when we were in the desert, but also when we settled Eretz Israel, was to be separate from the Betin. What would happen on the way to the Beta Sekila, from the Betin, from the place in which he was judged, to the place in which he's actually put to death? Ehad Omed al Petah Betin, Vahasudarin Beyado. There would be an individual who stood by Bedin. He would stand by the courthouse and he'd be holding Sudarin. Imagine it like a flag of some sort. So he's holding, maybe even colored, so that uh, it can be seen from afar. He's holding flags of some sort in his hand. Sudarin literally means clothing, or I, I don't know, maybe it means uh, sheets of some sort. So he's holding flag like items in his hand. We don't understand why it's just at this uh, moment. Vesus rahok mimenu, and then there was a horse which was planted far from him, kedeshi yehero ehu. But the horse needed to be able, the, the horseman needed to be able to see Betin. So the circumstance again is as follows. We're, we're taking in one way or another, I don't know if we're walking with him, we're probably walking with him, not too slowly, but at a steady pace. This individual who's Hayad Mita is on his way to be uh, stoned. And as they're walking there, there's an individual standing by the courthouse holding these Sudarin Biyado. And then far away, but not too distant, in other words, the person that's on this horse is distant, but he can see the man at Beit Din. What's the purpose of this? Well, it says, says the Mishnah, Kedesh Yehe Ro'ehu, Omer Echad Yeshli Lelamed Alav Zechut, Halam Manif Besudarin, Vehasus Ras, Uma Amidan. What would happen is, if in the courthouse, in the Beit Din, after they already departed, after they're on their way to put him to death, someone in the Beit Din, one of the people there, one of the judges, one of the, anyone who's around, speaks up after the verdict was already reached and says, Yesh li zechut. I found a reason, I found evidence, I found a claim, I found something that for this individual who's about to be put to death will be zechut. It can save him from death. It's, a, it's an opening, it's a vantage point that will uh, exonerate him. In such a circumstance, the person who's standing outside of Beit Din quickly raises these flags or this flag the man on the sus, the man on the on the horse, will then race to the people who are on their way to put to death this individual, and of course return him to Betin. It's a circumstance again that the Mishnah has told us. The Mishnah in Masech and Makot and Davzayin was very clear to tell us we were always interested in preserving life. To put to death was something that we looked to try to prevent as much as possible. Although the Torah expends a lot of energy telling us about the way in which people who do wrong will be punished by death penalty, Betin was always nervous about doing so. And as a result, even after the verdict is reached, even after you're marching him to be put to death, you still had a system in place where you could reverse it. Even if he himself, meaning the Nidon, the guy who was judged to death, and he's on his way, and you know, 
know, they're holding the stone in hand, they're about to throw it onto him. He says, wait a second, I have a reason why I am Zakai. I'm not Hayav. I'm a person who should be uh, let off the hook and not put to death. Uh, we'd bring him back. We would, click, we would, we would uh, hoist him up and bring him back to Beti. And how many times? After the Nigmar Hadin. first words of the Mishnah. We're done with Din. The Din is finished. We're on it, but literally on the way to Harigah. Even if it's up to four or five times. Now, four or five times is just a number. That means even many times. Four or five is a large number in the eyes of the rabbi. So you say even four or five. What's that? Not literal. Not literal. In other words, four or five and by extension, 400 or 500. You'd literally continuously bring him back. Well, if that's the case, we found a way to beat the system. That means to say we will always just keep stating, I have a reason, I have a reason why I'm not a hayav. What's that? Who's that? I mean, who's going to determine? Says the Mishnah in its final words, Ubilvad, but this is specifically and only Shiesh Mamash Bidvarav. There has to be mamash, there has to be some validity to his words. Now, is that really so? How are we going to determine? I mean, I know you'd imagine we have the greatest Sadiqim putting him to death, the greatest Tamideh Hakamim, but uh, oftentimes, if not always, that's not the case. We're going to leave our greatest minds back at the Beit Din and in the, uh, in the law system uh, where they're going to be executing law in the, with their minds and their mouths, where people who are putting to death are probably not the most uh, wise of people. So he says, I have a reason why I'm We'll say, okay, what's your reason? And we're going to allow the executors to determine that? So the Gemara will ask that question. The Gemara will suggest the first one or two times, we'll just bring him back. After you get past the first one or two times, we would then send two Tamideh Hachamim with him. Uh, Part of this delegation to putting to death, you had your scholars there. And the scholars would listen to him. And again, if his words were senseless, if they were baseless claim that he is Zakai, so then we wouldn't listen to him. But it means that we would send them in order to keep this system running smoothly and then again in Betim. But we had to at the very least make some sense of what he's saying initially to determine whether it makes sense to bring him back. No. So, as you came two minutes late, you missed it. Now I'll tell you. So um, it's not specific to Sekila. The reason the Mishnah chose Sekila, says Rashi, is only because Sekila is going to be the first of the Mitot Betim that the Mishnayot will deal with. Why is it the first that the Mishnayot will deal with? Not fully certain. It is the most Hamur it's the most severe according to the Hachamim and Daf Memtet. Furthermore, it's the most punishments are through Sekilah. Irrespective of that, it's the first one. We say it on Kippur. We, we chant it on Kippur. Sekilah comes first. And as a result, the Mishnah is only... The interesting thing is the examples that are given in the Mishnah as to what we're doing are going to be the first issue we're going to deal with in the Gemara, which is very much confined to Sekilah. Where was the Bet Sekilah? But the issue of our Mishnah, we will deal with each individually. We will deal with each individually. But, but correct, they, 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 this is a general statement, not a specific one. The, only with Dine Nefashot. No, we didn't, we didn't march people out in order to pay another, right? No, that's what I'm saying. No, that's, that's done. Out and finished. I mean, it's not that you can't reverse it if you have the appropriate way, but there was no marching out. There was no delegates. It was done. You were out. This is specifically, we're going to put to death A, and B, we're very nervous about actually putting someone to death. So we put this into place. Where do we deems when we fit into this time frame? That's all going to take place while you're in Beit Din. Once it's Nigmar Hadin, we're not really reversing for that, right? I mean, we might, under circumstance, you know, as you know. Nigmar Hadin, you can't be Zomem? Correct. 
Correct. Once there's nigmar din, there's no longer edim zomim, which of course is always the question. If he's a false witness, he's a false witness, he's a false witness. Who cares if the case was closed and now you found him to be a false witness? Which of course opens up the question, I mean, beyond our purview. But so what is the logic of edim zomim? Why are we doing to the false witnesses that which they conspire to do? Uh, so whatever the answer is to that question, it might be connected to this question as to when the case is closed. What Ramban Nachmani in his commentary to the Torah suggests is edim zomim is so to speak, a uh, God intervention in Deen. And as a result, God says, listen, if you're still in the middle of the case and this is what happens, this is what I'm telling you is the right thing to do. If the Deen was closed, I closed it, so to speak, and no longer, it injects God into it, into a system which in that circumstance is hard to find logic for. Yes? The other way, if they acquitted him and someone comes up and screams, Closed. Finished. Closed. This is only in order to save the guy. That's right. All right, says the Gemara over here. Right, so it says the Gemara, the Betzekila, again, the place where we would be uh, execute this individual with stoning. And the Mishnah stated quite clearly and unequivocally it was outside of Betin. Vitu, the word in Aramaic, Vitu means ve'od and more. Lo, question mark. It was only outside of Betin. It almost makes it appear as if it was a few steps away. Maybe it's a mile away. That's it. It was just, I mean, it was in the same domain. It was uh, maybe uh, just a block or two away. It wasn't in a different zip code. Are you really? The Mishnah is not saying explicitly the Beit Sekila was very far away. The Mishnah is saying Beit Sekila was not in Betin. That's it. Vehatanya doesn't the Beraita make this a lot more clear as to the distance of the Beit Sekila? It wasn't just outside of Betin. It was far from Betin. It was a different zip code. It was a different domain. How so? Vehatanya doesn't the Beraita teach us Beit Hasekila? The Beraita says explicitly the Bet Sekila was outside of the three Mahanot. Now, in the Midbar, this is very easy to understand. In the desert, there were three Mahanot. What are the three Mahanot? Of course, a Mahane is an encampment. There were three uh, separate domains as we marched through the desert. The first domain was known as Mahane Shekhinah. That's where the Mishkan was. Surrounding that, almost in a circular or square fashion, was Mahane Leviyah. That's where the Leviim encamped. And then outside of that, you had Mahane Yisrael. So it means, and which is where everyone else, the other 11 tribes encamped. Which means to say that whereas in the Midbar, you took this individual who was judged around Ohil Moed, Lifnei Hashem, and you exited him from all of these mahanot. He got out of the place of encampment. Well, what does that mean in Israel? What does that mean in the Betin system of today? Again, so our Mishnah is talking, I mean, this would be the easy answer. Our Mishnah is talking about in today's day and age. There's no three mahanot in today's day and age. So the Beraita is talking about Bizman Hamidbar. During the time of the desert, if you were about to execute this person by putting him to death with stoning, as it was with that Mekalil, as it was there in, in Vaikra, what was it, Chavdalid. So that's the way it was done. What does it have to do with our Mishnah? The answer explains Rashi is that even today, and imagine it in Jerusalem, and you can imagine it outside of Jerusalem, there are separate encampments as well in Yerushalayim. So there's the, uh, there is the Azara, the Azara. 
Taraz, uh, almost an inner sanctum in the, uh, in the, in the Mikdash. We'll consider that Mahane Shechina. Outside of that, there's Harabayit, that's Mahane Leviyah. Outside of that is Mahane Yisrael, which is all of Yerushalayim. Call it the old city of Yerushalayim, so to speak. And outside of that is furthermore. But our Mishnah doesn't tell us anything about that. Our Mishnah just says it was Chutz Betin, which makes you imagine that Maybe you just left uh, where the Sanhedrin, where the Lishkata Gazit was, or wherever Beit Din you were at, and just walked a few feet away or a few miles away. That's not the description in this Beraita. The Beraita is stating quite clearly you'd have to go even further. Tosafot, the top right-hand corner, points out, they cite, them, they, they, they cite from elsewhere, that it's clear that the status went as follows in other cities. You'd have to leave the gates of the city. The gates of the city would, so to speak, the, be the Mahanez Yisrael. And once you left those gates, that's where you could have your bet But again, the issue of our Gemara is not per se a difficult one, but it's that it wasn't clear enough in a place where it could have easily been so, our Mishnah. Our Mishnah just says that bet was outside of bet It doesn't make clear how far away it was. It needs to tell you it's chutz shalosh machanot. That's the question of the Gemara. Again, bet first line of the Gemara, chutz and it's not more than that. Vehatanya doesn't the Beraita state very clearly. Beta sekila haya chutz leshalosh mahanot. It was outside of the shalosh mahanot, outside of the three camps. Answers the Gemara. At the wall of the city. Well, you have to imagine there, there were there were several. In general, it was at Sha'ar but it wasn't outside of Sha'ar Hayir, right? So that that's certainly clear. The Beit Din was always in it. In Yerushalayim, it had several the, on Daf Memal. If it described exactly where they were, but you had Lishkat Gazit was was on Har Habayit, right? And you know, if the if it was being determined there, which it didn't need to be, it could have been you know at the, at the bottom of it, or it could have been at Sha'ar which you had as well. But the point is, you had to actually move outside of that domain, which is not being made clear to us by the Mishnah. Says the Gemara in Kedika Amarta. Says the Gemara, indeed, yes, in in Aramaic means yes. I know it's confusing because in Hebrew, in is, is not, in is, yes, but so it goes. In kidka amarta, as you said, indeed, as you said. In other words, you're, you're nitpicking on the Mishnah. Don't get too bothered by this Mishnah. The Mishnah has a different reason for why it's not fully clear about this. But at the very least, we can accept that. That beraita is not contradicting. You always have this type of question. You have Mishnayot and beraitot, which are composed during the ta- same time period. Is the beraita conflicting with our Mishnah or is it fulfilling? out our Mishnah. In other words, is the Mishnah just missing a detail that the Beraita then fills in, or is it disagreeing with it? Answers the Gemara over here. There's no disagreement. The Beraita is filling out the details of the Mishnah. Shouldn't the Mishnah have mentioned that? And the reason it states it, it wrote it, like this. In other words, the reason the Mishnah just says, Chutz Betin, instead of telling us, Chutz Shalosh Mahanot, Nafka Minad Inafik Bedina, Viativ Chutz Shalosh Mahanot, Avdinan Beta Sekila, Chutz Betin, Kiehi de la Mithaze Betin Rotshin. Says the Gemara, and the reason that the Mishnah stated in this fashion, just that, the Beta Sekila was, Chutz Betin, it was separate from Betin, was for the following circumstance. Nafka mina, nafak, means to come out. Mina, from this. In other words, what the Mishnah's words uh, caused to emerge from it for us to understand. The inafik, again, we know that means goes out. Bedina, refers to Betin. If the Betin went out, in other words, they reestablished it or they built it. Viativ, and a little bit uh, anthropomorphic over here, we're giving, uh, or r- rather, uh, not anthropomorphic, what's it called? Personification. 
application. We're giving the betin a sitting. It's situated. It's not actually yativ means to sit. You built it outside. Says the Gemara. The reason the Mishnah says it in the way that it does is to tell you that even in the following situation. Jesse, your case, the Beit Din is not only at the Sha'ar Ha'ir, but it's outside of Sha'ar Ha'ir. Why to build it outside of the city? I have no idea. But that's the way we wanted it to be. We don't want our judges in the city. We'd like to have them outside of our city. Uh, what about in such a circumstance? Now, again, in general, the Beit Din was in the, in the city. In the city, all right, easy for me to understand. You take it outside of the city. What if the Beit Din is outside of the city already? Can I therefore write adjacent to the Beit Din or in the Beit Din, make my Beit that's what the Mishnah is telling us, don't do so. Even in a circumstance where the Betin is already outside of the city, you still need some sort of hosa'ah. You still could not, I have a trick. You know, there's a whole thing, we have to, it's infrastructure costs, it's going to cost a lot of money, we have to maintain both places, we need to have a janitorial staff and so forth. In both cases, we need in the Betin and in the Bet Sekila. I, I fixed this. I'm going to build the Betin outside of the city. If I build it outside of the city, I could put it all in one building. I can, cost efficient, everything is maintained, we'll have the rabbis and the scholars and the people there at all times, no problem whatsoever. That's the way I'll do it. So as the Gemara, that's what our Mishnah is saying, you can't even do that. So it's an interesting point. Uh, the Gemara says it a bit differently, but it might amount to the same thing. So the Gemara says, Ki hechi, this is so that, so that the Bedin will not be seen as murderers, which means to say, uh, the way I interpreted the Gemara, but I like it. And Nathan says, it's a practical thing. In other words, by making it distant or separate, now there's time to save. Uh, now you have to walk him. You have to have some sort of delegation to there. The Gemara's words are a bit different. It says that if the Betin is synonymous with the killing place, we look at the Betin and we say, that's the murder place. We don't want the Betin to be seen in such a fashion. As I said, the Mishnah Rashi over here cites it, and Sechim Makot and Davzayin says that a Sanhedrin, which was uh, which would kill in any any uh, or common fashion. You know, as we were trying, it's a dispute how to understand the Mishnah, but it was very rare to put to death an individual in Betin, at least during a specific time period. Nikret Havlanit. Such a Betin was known as Betin Havlanit. Lahbol. As, as, as uh, the eighth Perik Masech Bavakama tells us, Lahbol Bere'ehu means to harm another. We didn't want the Betin to be known as the harmful folk. We didn't want it to be known as the place where you hurt people. We wanted it to be known as the place of Siddhakal Mishpah, justice and righteousness. As a result, even if the Betin is already outside of Mahane Yisrael, tells us the Mishnah, it was la betin the beta sekila kihechi so that deteha excuse me delamit haze betin rotchin says the gemara iname alternatively and here's here's your case Nathan kihechi so that detehavele hasala period so that there'll be a saving period for this individual in other words that's Nathan's approach whereas the first answer in the gemara says we don't want to equate the betin even the eyes of people mithaze lahazot benoamadonai it should not be seen as a Bedin, which is putting to death uh, uh, and synonymous with killers and harmful people. Uh, the second answer in the Gemara is a lot more practical. It just says you needed to put it distant so that there'll be Hatzalah. Hatzalah, not referring to the ambulances, but rather to what they do, saving the life of these individuals by having a delegation, by having a place where you'd need to walk to, we'd have an opportunity to save the person. All right, those. What's that? 
The Bet Sekilad need not be a Bet Din at all. It's just a place where you're putting them to death. It's an execution house. Gallows, indeed. No, no, tell me. Yes. That's how they explain. Rashi is a lot more simple than you. Rashi says, "The inafik bedina writes Rashi the kavim makom hava'at shelahem chutz la'ir." They are now situated outside. Kigon shetesan hedrot kitanot shayu birushalayim ahat al peta hazara vahat yoshev al peta harabayit v'chen kol sharayarot ikavim mekoman chutz lahoma. If they establish their place outside. Now, why is Rashi talking about those? Because Rashi knows that you needed to have Lishkat Tagazit in place. You needed Sanhedrin to need to be in place, otherwise you can't do any executions. But I didn't, I didn't understand from Rashi or from the words in the Gemara that the Gemar Din was inside and then you found the Bet Din outside. It's rather they moved the Bet Din. I made up an example for why you would want to move it. All right, anyway, says the Gemara, Minahane Mile. What is our sourcing for this? Minahane is a compound word. Mina, from where? Hane, these. Mile means words. In other words, how do we derive this law that Betin was supposed to be separated from Beta Sekila from Shalosh Mahanot? In other words, you'd have Betin in one place, and Beta Sekila needed to be so distant from it outside of those domains, outside of the three Sekila, uh, Mahanot, the three encampments. Detanura Banan as the Beta. Raita teaches us. Now you'll notice that the Gemara over here uses those, that uh, the Tafresh, what do you call that? The, the Tafresh, which stands for Tanur Rabbanan. And earlier we had the word Tanya for Beraita, which effectively means the same thing. It appears that Taf in Aramaic oftentimes, most of the time, switches with a Shin in Hebrew. So a Shin is Shanur Rabbanan, Shanot means to teach, Vishinantam Levanecha, and Tanya means Shanya, it was taught. What's the difference between when the Gemara uses? the word Tanya, and when the Gemara uses Tanura Banan, nobody's fully certain as to what the difference is, but in Nigeret Rav Shiridagon, which is an early document we have, which details the way much of, at least in the eyes of someone who lived quite a while ago, a lot more close in time to the time of the Gemara, Rav Shiridagon, he, uh, he writes in there uh, that the difference between these two goes as follows. In the academies in Bavel, where they used to be studying this Torah, this Torah they had several different ways of dealing with texts, uh, texts that were not written down, that were orally transmitted. Some of them were Tanura Banan, Tanura Banan, the rabbis taught, which means this was something that was consistent. This is something that they learned on a consistent basis. This was part of their regular Limut, that's Tanura Banan. Tanya was the uh, random guy. The random guy walked in and he knew it. So Katten comes in, he says, I learned that a week ago, two weeks ago, uh, two months ago. This is a Beraita. I know that's Tanya. So that's the difference between Tanura Banan. And Tanya says the Gemara de Tanura Banan, Jose et Mekalel el Mehutz Lamahane. So that is our proof text in the Torah for Sekila. And the Pasuk again states, clearly that the person who was Mikalil, who was Migadev, who cursed God, was to be taken out of the Mahane. Now, it didn't really explain to us much. Learned that in the Mishnah already. We know the Mishnah told us, Mosi'inoto. Mihutzla Mahane doesn't tell me per se, outside of Mahane Israel. Maybe it means outside of Mahane Livia. Maybe it means only outside of Mahane Shekhinah. Chutz, says the Beraita, Lishalosh Mahanot. 
All right, so the Biraita states it, but it didn't really give us a sourcing that was solid. We don't really understand the Derasha. In other words, I tell you, take him outside. So you take him outside the front door. I said, no, I meant take him outside of Brooklyn. How was I to know you meant take him outside? No, I meant take him outside of New York State. How was I to know that? That's not what you said. You said just take him outside. Ask the Biraita rhetorically. He says, wait a second. Are you telling me outside of all three Mahanot? Which again, effectively means in today's day and age, outside, if you have a walled city, outside of the wall. And it doesn't mean outside of the wall. Maybe it just means outside of the Beitin, outside into a different zip code or a few blocks away. Answers the Biraita. We have a fancy Dirasha for how to arrive at this. It's going to take a few moments to develop this. Ne'emar kan mahane ve'ne'emar be'parim hanisrafin chutz mahane malehalan chutz le'shalosh mahanot avkan chutz le'shalosh mahanot. This appears to be what's called the Gezerah Shavah. Gezerah Shavah is when the Torah uses either identical or very similar wording in two places, and we have somewhat of a tradition to link up those words and to derive one from the other. It's not fully clear if over here it's a classic Gezerah Shavah, because the Gemara will dispute it and ask questions on this, but at the very least we're learning from similar words in two circumstances, really three, where the Torah uses the words outside of the Mahane. What are they? Well, first one we're familiar with. It's Mekalil. It's a person who's being put to death through stoning. That one's clear enough. The second one is Parim Hanisrafim. Literally translated as, what's that? You'd imagine Paraduma. Not, not so fast. I, I wish it was that simple. Paraduma, not Paraduma. Over here it's Parim. Keep in mind we're in plural. It's burnt uh, uh, bulls, right? I guess a pot is a bull of some sort. Now what burnt bulls are we dealing with? Not Paraduma, but we're referring to two types of bulls which were brought in two separate circumstances. It's what's called Parkohen Mashiach. And parha alem davar shel sibur. We'll deal with each individually for just a moment. Par kohen mashiach is the following circumstance: limshoach means to anoint, to anoint with oil. When you were the kohen, when you were a kohen gadol, when you were a melech, a king, we would anoint you with oil. That's what the Torah tells us to do. That's what we see is done historically uh, throughout Tanakh. Well, that being the case, if it's a kohen gadol, called kohen mashiach, not, not because he's the messiah, because he was mashuach, he was anointed, and he sins, bishkaga, accidentally, in such a circumstance, he needs to, to bring a particular and specific sacrifice. Whereas you and I, um, not Stanley, he'll be Kohen Gadol, he'll be Kohen Gadol, but any of our other ones won't be Kohen Gadol. We also would need to bring, so we'd need to bring a Sa'ir Hatat. we'd need to bring a specific animal for Korban Hatat. There was a specific way, Kohen Gadol, he's set apart, he's unique individual uh, from the others, that's Par Kohen Mashiach. Separately is Par Ha'alim Davar Shel Sibur, the entirety of Masechet Horayot, if you've ever heard of it, deals with this obscure case, the case is that the Sanhedrin has issued a ruling, not about Avodah but about something else, and the majority of Am Yisrael have sinned as a result. They issued a ruling that X and Y are permitted or forbidden, and it's wrong. They were made a mistake in judgment, and now everybody or the majority of the people are going out and doing the wrong thing. We need to bring 12 parim, 12 of these bulls, in order to atone, so to speak, for the entirety of Am Yisrael. So those are the two circumstances we're dealing with. Now they're particular and unique because there was no eating from these bulls in these circumstances, where the other, sometimes in court, 
korbanot, you're eating from it, maybe not in a korban olah. In these, there's no eating from it. What you would do is you'd have a certain haktara, a certain sacrifice internally in the mikdash, and then you'd take most of the remainder outside of the mahane, there are the key words, and you'd burn it there. Well, the Torah uses those same words, the same description of outside of the Mahane, both by the Mikhalil, the person who's cursed God and needs to be put to death by uh, Sikila, by stoning, and by the burning of these two parim, of these circumstances where you had those sacrifices and you take the remainders and you burn it outside. Says so the Beraita, well, if I know over there by the parim hanisrafim that it's outside of the three Mahane, the Mahanot, so I know that over here as well, that it's outside of those three camps, in other words, in an altogether a different domain. Again, read it in the Gemara together with me. Now, of course, the question will beg itself. How do you know over there? That's the halacha. We'll have to get even fancier in terms of explaining that. So again, says the Gemara, what's the source for taking it outside of the three mahanot? A law we learned from the first beraita. Another beraita. Dash. Hot. He was to be taken outside of the three mahanot. This is a rhetorical response. No, I say to you, it's outside of the three. Really? Are you telling me that? Maybe it was only outside of one encampment. Maybe, you know, take it all together outside. Ne'emar answers the Beraita Khan. It says over here in the context of Mikhalil, which is our case of Sekila, the person who cursed God, he blasphemed, and as a result, he's going to be put to death. The Torah says, take him Mikhalil. And it furthermore, and likewise says, in those burnt cows or bulls, the same way over there. Lehalan means later on, over there. So too over here, by our case of Sikilab, of Mekalil, and we'll just start the question, says the Gemara, and as I told you a minute ago, Taf interchanges with Ashin, so we know Hatam means Sham, over there, Minalan, it's a Compound word, mina lan lanu. From where is that to us? How do I know that parimani srafim is hutzla shalosh mahanot? Once you give me the answer to that, of course, I'll now plug it into Mikalil. And it sounds like it'll be a clean package. Of course, the Gemara will challenge that as well. But that's the direction we're going in. So just to briefly summarize, we began this Mishnah. The Mishnah told us about Nigmar Hadin. The judgment was reached. The verdict was arrived at. And as a result, we're on our way to putting to death. Wait a second. We want to bring a situation into effect in which the individual or others can still save his life. Okay. So as the Mishnah, the Beta Sikila was distant. And Explains the explains the Mishnah, the Pasuk says in the Torah that it was he was to be taken outside. The Gemara then uh, deliberates on that fact and says, how far outside? Was it really just outside of the Betin, or was it even further distant? Well, we know it's even further distant. It's outside of three Mahanot. Why did the Mishnah just say outside? The Mishnah is telling us that in a circumstance where the Betin is already outside of the Mahane, it still needed distant uh, for one, one of two reasons. Either it just has wrong optics, or alternatively, in order to bring forth a Hatzalah by moving the person to there. Says the Gemara, okay, how do you know that it needs to be outside of the three? That's what we're dealing with right now. It's a dirasha from Parima Nisrafim. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen. Amen.